You're listening to the All in IT Radio. Join us as we talk about everything related to information technology and some other random stuff as well. Help us try to find how IT relates to each and every one of us and what's really behind the story headlines. We are Swedes and we talk tech. Welcome to this episode of All in IT Radio. I am your host, Kenneth. Today I bring you an interview with one of the most prominent persons in his field, which just happens to be comic books. Comics is a great part of modern geek culture, as well as in more or less every childhood. And every year, here in Gothenburg, there is a large book fair, or rather, the large book fair in Sweden with many different exhibitions, you know, the sort, new book releases, author signings, deals being made and broken, radio programs being recorded, and of course there are comic books as well. In this interview, we talk about the state of the comic book industry in the world, how it differs from Europe and from the United States, for example, And we also talk about online comics, how the conditions have changed for comics in this day and age. And also we talk a bit about how technology has changed his craft and how he performs it. I have to beg your pardon for the state of the audio, it's conference audio. That is, there is a lot of noise in the background. And sometimes my voice can be a bit hard to hear, but I think you'll manage. My often heard co-host Henrik is actually in the room with me. You won't hear his voice, but you will see some of the photos he took during the interview. He, the man I'm interviewing, is the greatest creator behind Donald Duck and Scrooge McDuck comics living today. I started out by calling him a living legend and asked him to introduce himself to the audience. My name is Kino Don Rosa. People have been given, calling me a living legend for already 10 or 20 years. And I think that's just when you do the same job for 25 years for little, very little pay, you're a living legend. Or you're an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess that's what a living legend is. There's somebody who does a much better job, but he does it for lots of different uh, publications or characters. That's not a living legend. You have to do the same job for a preposterous amount of time, then then you're a living legend, I guess. True. So, but still, you changed the, the... You found something and you really changed it. You really did something great for the area where you were. Maybe I brought something out, but I, was, I wasn't trying to change it. I was actually trying to reaffirm exactly what I always thought it was. I thought it was being changed, and I wanted to put it back the way I wanted it to be. So I wasn't trying to change it. I was just re-establishing it, its foundations. At least that's what I was trying to do. And many would say that those are the most dangerous people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) 
Those are just trying to do what's right. <laughs> yeah. You're a big thing here in Sweden, as we talked about before. I, yeah. It's in uh, every place outside of the United States, I seem to be. I'm glad I'm not that famous in America. It's much, it's much more comfortable being uh, anonymous. So, yeah, I'd hate to be as uh, famous back home as I am in a place like Sweden or certainly like Finland. <laughs> wow. But Finland must be the place where you're most, most known. Yeah. I mean, well, because. Uh, because that's where Donald Duck is the most popular, and don't ask me why. I, I'm not sure. That's strange, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think I know why Donald Duck is so popular in Europe. It's because, as near as I can try to figure out, after World War II, when the entire continent was in shambles, uh, in the late 1940s, like 49, 1950, this company here, Egmont, uh, reintroduced comic books, uh, 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 cheap mass entertainment across Europe. And that's why Donald Duck seemed to become a, a national hero all over Europe. Uh, but uh, why, why Finland in particular? I'm not sure of that. But, but I mean, uh, in America, nobody knows who I am. In uh, most of Europe, anybody who reads comics, whether they read Donald Duck comics or not, they know who I am because they know I do the most popular comic books. Even if they don't like them, they know I'm doing them. But in Finland... Everybody knows who I am. I mean, everybody. Even if they never go near a comic book because they turn on the TV and I'm on the national news and, no, oh, it's Don Rosa again. So it's, it's a strange feeling. It's, uh, it always, I've been telling people for decades that it's like uh, when I travel to Europe, it's like I'm impersonating somebody. <laughs> it's either that or it's like entire nations are playing a practical joke on me. <laughs> and it's like, uh, let's, let's make him think he's famous. And everybody's in on it. And, and they... They, they never fool me. I know it's a trick. <laughs> That's wonderful. But you do flirt with the Finnish nation a bit. Or you did with your oh, yeah. great epos. Yeah, I always... Uh, I thought... That somebody told me, like I was telling you earlier, that... Uh, I mean, I'd been there a couple of times already and learning how popular Aku Anka is in Finland. And uh, somebody went, finally said, if you combine the two biggest icons of Finnish culture, which is the Kalevala... And Donald Duck, I'd be elected president. And I said, well, it's worth a try. Didn't happen, though. But, uh, <laughs> Yet. No. And you often mention in your in, in interviews with you that the comic market in the United States is more or less dead regarding classical comics. It's dead as a mass medium, yeah. It's uh, classic comics, you mean... Well, even the versions of Superman and Batman we have now are not the classic versions. They, they keep reintroducing it. I mean, it doesn't take any more effort to see that comics are a failure in America. Is You look at the, the current Superman and Batman comics or the current Spider-Man and all the Marvel. They keep restarting them from number one. I don't even know if you're aware of that because yeah, sure. they don't sell. So, But they have to keep them in print because they make trillions of dollars off movies and TV shows and video games and toys. So they have to keep reintroducing them and seeing if... They can just boost the sales up just a little bit each time. But, you know, it just keeps the, the sales figures just... <laughs> because there's fewer and fewer... They only sell like 10,000 copies of a, an American comic book. Uh, back in uh, the United States, uh, Uncle Scrooge used to sell 3 million copies a month back like in 1953 or something. That was 60 years ago. So what should a comic book in America sell now? 10 million copies? 20 million? 10,000 10, copies. But uh, they only stay in business because they're sold in comic book shops. You know, they're not sold on the general newsstands. <clears throat> it's not a mass. It's not a mass market like it still is there. It's a cult collectible. 
the publishers say, uh, and they've been doing this since 1980, 1985, it said, in six months we're going to publish a Spider-Man comic. It's going to be written by this guy, drawn by this guy. How many will you buy? And one store will say they'll buy 60, and another store might say they'll buy five. And they total those numbers up, and that's how many they print. And they sell them to the store, and the store can't get a refund on them if they don't sell. Now, you know newsstands, the way news distribution works is every magazine or comic book in, in Europe still uh, that's published, they take, whatever, 20 issues on every single newsstand in the whole, all over Europe and uh, individual countries, and any issue that doesn't sell, the news dealer gets a full refund on it. He can't lose. But the publishers keep that, and that's why the publishers in America back in the uh, early 70s were going quickly out of business, because they were all the comic books were coming back to them. They, they had to print them, and they get paid for two, and then five uh, thousand of them would uh, so now uh, it's like printing money. But uh, So back in the 80s and 90s, the, uh, when they invented this new way to turn a failing industry into a cult collectible, the profit margin went up drastically because, like, like I say, they just print as many as they sell. There's no, there's no loss. But, but now, but like I say, the, the, cur- the selling curve just keeps dropping further and further. And now, I don't know what... Uh, how they, but they got to keep them around because that's uh, the fact they're they can still say their comic books is how they can sell the characters to the movie because that's where the big money is movies and television and so on uh, but thank gosh it's not like that in Europe people it's still a mass market here everybody sees comics on every newsstand you go to it's uh, like when I'm in a, a place like Oslo or, or maybe here or in Stockholm you walk out of the hotel and you see my two or three news kiosks right there in front of you someplace and you go into them and the first thing you see you don't have to go to the back of the store the first thing you see is a wall of Donald Duck comics they'll have the weeklies and the monthlies and then the digests but not just the new digest but all 400 digests that have ever been printed for the last 30 years they keep reprinting them true and in America you don't even see comic books anywhere if you if you ask an average American uh, when's the last time you saw a comic book for sale they don't see them because they're only sold in comic book stores where the average Americans, you know, not going to go. And I mean, I, I bought your work when it came out in Kalanko Company, Donald Duck and Company. Yeah. The weekly uh, magazine, and I bought it in Kalanka Extra, which went, which came with Donald Duck. Yeah. And I bought it in the Hall of Fame series. Yeah. And you so buy I this bought, new one too. I bought the new one new, right now. Yeah. So that's the fourth time I had bought the I'm, same. I apologize for that. But, uh, <laughs> boy, it's just like me buying uh, DVDs. I bought the. Uh, I made a videotape of the movie of 1975, <laughs> 1985. I bought the laserdisc. 1995, I bought the DVD. 2005, I bought the BD. And I never even watched the one. You know, I don't have them long enough to watch them a second time. I just got the Indiana Jones set in uh, uh, high definition. I don't even think I ever watched my DVDs. Last ones I watched were the laserdiscs. So it's the same thing. It's just. But one area where comics in the United States actually are sort of flourishing, not if you talk about manga, money, no, online, online comics. Oh, okay. There are actually. A but they're like more like news, newspaper comics. They're short jokes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, usually, not everyone. Yeah. Everyone does their own thing on the internet. I, I, I don't know too much about it, so. That, no. But that'd be good. That would keep it alive. And also, they can stop cutting down forests just to print comic books. True. But, and, uh, that'd and, be nice. and some of them actually makes money on it. 
they managed to do it through commercials on the webpage or oh, yeah, and you don't have they to, sell t-shirts. You don't, it's, it's all electronic. It's not You don't have to, like I say, cut down forests and produce and waste ink and paper and, uh, and they're not gasoline. And, publisher. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's nice. That's good to know. How has technology changed your work? Is it? Do you do the exact same thing when you draw a picture today as you did 20 years ago? Yeah, the only way it's helped me is, uh, for instance, doing the... Uh, uh, the only thing I've drawn in the last five years are the title pages of this new book set. Right. Uh, because my eyesight's so bad, but the only way it helps me... Uh, for instance, I just in the last couple of weeks did the last two title pages for volumes eight and nine. Uh, and But I've had more eye operations uh, just before I was able... I, I had to do that. Uh, so I really couldn't see what I was doing very well. You, I can draw these great big sloppy pictures, but I, I can't do the fine work anymore. I just I can't see. Right. But I uh, have those scanned, and then I can put them on the computer and blow them up large, and then I can use the you know the electronic eraser and kind of fix all the mistakes. So that's the only possible. But everything else I, I do, it's still the same way uh, cartoonists have worked for a hundred years. A piece of paper and India ink and a old-fashioned pen. Right. And that's interesting because many of the more popular online comics well, of course, are done in the same way as well. They are. Well, yeah, a, they they're are. They're not colored the same way. They're colored that's on not. Photoshop. Well, but, but uh, comic book artists <clears throat> have never colored their own work ever. No. That's all done by the publisher. So that's so the online artists are still having more to do, even if they're doing it electronically, they're still actually coloring their comics. Karl Marx never colored his. Well, no, no comic books are colored by the uh, the artist. Well, you got those ones like uh, if you're familiar with the name Alex Ross, who does the superhero comics for Marvel. He actually paints them. So, uh, but all, everything else is uh, you know colored by the uh, well, the the, car, the the cartoonist draws them you know in black and white, uh, black ink on white paper, and then somebody at the publisher makes color keys you know by the page, and it just you know it's arrows right. pointing and it says color like Dr. Martin's number 10 blue and then and then they're sent to the publisher and it's somebody at the uh, I mean the printer, the actual printer and there they have some sort of computer technology where they color of course you're talking to somebody who just I really don't know anything about <laughs> how <laughs> comics are done now I, I just know how I do them or how, how I did them and that's the reason we have sort of a strange situation with one comic here in Sweden The Phantom yeah, you know, with the, oh. the skull ring and yeah, so sure, sure. he has a different color here in Sweden. He's not purple. No, he's blue. Why? He has a dark blue uh, dress. Yeah. Does anybody know why? That, that's because what you mentioned. The artist he, he made it in black and white, and oh. somehow the notation for what color he should be oh. got lost. So they took what they thought looked good, and dark blue looked best. well. That's all right. I mean, it's still a so same, he's same always been dark blue here. Yeah. Blue, purple, what, what's the difference? Uh, in America, Scrooge is always dressed in red. And uh, in France, he's always been dressed in blue. And uh, here, I think he's dressed in a rusty brownish red. I have no idea how they choose the colors. He's got, they, they decided some years ago how Scrooge would be colored in all the Egmont countries. You know, it's Sweden and Denmark and Norway and Germany and... Iceland and a few others, and he's colored. Uh, what is it? He's a rusty red 
you know, kind of a uh, rust red, brick red right. coat. The belt's the same color, and I think his cuffs might be. And his cane is blue. <laughs> Why? Let me say, oh, I think it looks nice. It's blue. People don't have blue canes. Now, in Italy, they have, oh, and they color the comics really nicely in Italy. They put a lot, because they color them artistically. Egmont is coloring them for little kids. Right. Uh, they color them nice, but they don't put any artistic, you know, the weekly. No. It's for little kids, so they, they got to get it done fast. But uh, in Italy, everything's colored nice, except everybody has yellow shoes. I have no idea why. Of course, the ducks aren't wearing shoes, but, you know, there's Scrooges in the Klondike with all these filthy, dirty miners. And they're, you know, wearing buckskins and uh, coonskin caps and bright yellow shoes. I see. Oh, those are gay. <laughs> all these gay cowboys and gay sourdoughs in the Utah. But I don't know, somebody, you know, 50 years ago in Italy said, oh, I think the shoes should be yellow. <laughs> And that's the way it stays. But you had a, you have a good relationship with Egmont in Sweden and with the translator in Sweden. Oh, well. Stefan Dias. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's working on the, the current comics. Uh, but the, as what we were saying uh, in this new series, this is the very first time that I had complete control, and I've inspected every single panel of every single of, of all of their files, and I go through it and I tell them, you know. Recolor this, recolor that, change this, so it's colored the way it should be. I, I can't tell them to... I have to give them a break and don't tell them to color it from scratch. Because it's really not beautifully colored, but it's adequately colored. So, But still, the glaring errors, you know. Uh, for instance, uh, the one thing that I've always really wanted them to recolor was the money in Scrooge's money bin. Because all across Europe, it's always been colored gold which misses the whole point completely. In, in the original American comics and in Karl Barks' stories, the money bin was just filled with pocket change. Right. With, with copper pennies and, and you know silver dimes and quarters and, and nickels. Because that was the whole joke. This guy, this guy is such a miser that he has an entire building packed with just pocket change. But in Europe, it's always gold coins. That misses the whole point of it. So that really bothers me. And that's the only thing we actually did not change, because even the big uh, Uncle Scrooge fans across Europe, uh, when I explain that to them, they say, oh, oh. they say, oh, I see. It makes but sense. It's, but it's always been gold, and I want it to stay gold, because that's the way it was when I grew up. And I say, well, I'm a big, I have a lot of respect for nostalgia, so I said, so I, I, I made a deal with them. I said, well, let's cover it half silver and half gold. Then everybody will, everybody will be unhappy then. So. <laughs> And it didn't work too well because uh, you, because with uh, computer coloring, one problem is you know the way the, the colorist works is they touch the screen of the computer and a color fills the area until it touches the lines. Right. It's contained somehow. And the money bin is you know, I don't draw every individual coin. So I they almost thought they, you did actually. Sometimes yeah okay so I, I I draw a certain number of individual coins on the top. But I can't draw every single one. So you see a sprinkling of individual coins. So I found out all they can do is they color those individual coins silver and leave the rest of it gold. All right. So what it looks like is the money bin's full of gold and somebody reaching in his pocket a handful of quarters. <laughs> so you just see a, a sprinkling of silver coins in this. So it looks even weirder than uh, being all gold. 
But everything else is colored the way I, I want it to be colored, finally. But you really brought detail to the world of Donald Duck. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's the only reason people like my comics. They, I'm not doing cute drawings, and I'm not, I'm not drawing to uh, please the art director. I'm just drawing... Uh, I, th I think readers like it, seem to like it so much because they, they look at it and they say, for somebody to put obviously put so much work into such bad art, he, he must be enjoying himself. And then they enjoy it because they see I'm working a lot harder than I'm getting paid to work. I'm just doing it to entertain them. And so, you, you've always talked about your bad art, but that's not true. You are a great artist. You really can draw. No, no, I can't draw. <laughs> uh, now, the, the, the people, uh, especially the publishers, when they bring me to a place like this and they want me to promote their books, to sell their books. And I mean, you hear it all over this room. People say, that's my new book. It's sensational. It's fantastic. You've got to buy it. You've got to get all your friends to buy it. It's wonderful. They'll love it. They bring me here and I'll say, of course, I'm not producing new work. And I'll say, well, here's a, here's a new story I did and it's, uh, well, it's about some interesting history I came across and uh, I try to put Scrooge into it and it's, I don't know, I, I, I didn't like it much, but I hope, I hope maybe readers do. And they say, why are you so humble? Why don't you brag? And say, all they have to do is ask me the right question, and they'll find I'm not so humble. And they say, "Do you is, do you draw well? Is your artwork good?" It's, it's, it's just crammed with needless and irritating details. And are you a great writer? And I said, "Well, I don't know. Their plots are kind of overly complex, and it's you know, They say, "Are your comics entertaining?" You're damn right, they're entertaining. All right. Because I'm doing nothing but cramming entertainment into it. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it it, it induces headaches. I'm cramming as much entertainment as I can for the fans. I'm not trying to please the editors or the art directors, because no. they don't know. It's the fans who know what they like. And you really brought common sense to the duck universe. I mean, you yeah. put everything in a logical order. You put stuff in relationship just, to... to just, I'm anal other. retentive. That's called anal retentive. It's, All right, it's called obsessive compulsive. <laughs> uh, it's called obsessive compulsive disorder, which doesn't make sense. No. I mean, it's it's a a mental uh, phenomenon where you want everything to be ordered. So how could it be a disorder? I call it a obsessive compulsive order. No right. <laughs> it's all the other people that have a disorder because they're disordered. It's obvious. It has to be a disorder. So, so what do you think about artists who draw Donald and Scrooge in that way, which th that doesn't That's... make it. Does not make any sense in relationship to anything else in the Duck universe. What? It's my stuff that doesn't look like anything else in the Duck universe. I'm the only one that does this, the weird art. All the rest of them are nice-looking, cute, uh, you know, well-designed pages. But it's something for everyone. Not everybody likes my stories. Not everybody likes their stories. So that's good. You know, people like. There's actually people who claim to like Mickey Mouse stories. So <laughs> there's something no. for everybody. Well, for some reason. I, All right, this, I've, I've taken enough of your time. This has been a fantastic pleasure. Thank you very much. Right. That's okay. I, uh, I just get so charred. I was sitting out there for, what, four, four hours? And it takes a long time for the energy to wear off that I get from the fans. That, uh, so it takes a, I slow down very gradually. So, so my, my, my drop in energy is like the American comic book sales figures. <laughs> just kind of slowly kind of just fades away. And as Mr. Kino Don Rosa's energy drops back to normal levels after many hours of book signing, 
Henrik and I bid him farewell. I really hope to be able to meet him again someday. This interview was one of the most awesome things I have ever done. The new book series he was signing is called Don Rosa Samlade Verk in Swedish or Don Rosa The Collected Works. To the best of my knowledge it has only been released in Sweden so far but there are books by Mr. Don Rosa that you can get. I checked a bit on the reason for the phantom being blue in Sweden and it seems to be related to printers not being able to produce the correct purple color. But for that matter, the cartoonist did not intend for him to be purple either, rather some sort of green to be able to hide well in the jungle. But he accepted the color afterward, though. Before starting the recording, I asked Mr. Rosa if he knew what Creative Commons is. He, he didn't, so I explained the concept to him briefly. He mentioned, though, that he was used to working with companies that didn't give him a penny for his hard efforts. But that's another thing entirely. The music for this episode, the theme music, was not released under a Creative Commons license, but rather under the Art Libre license. But they share many similarities. It was made by EHMA and was called Pichicato? Something to that effect. P-I-Z-Z-I-C-A-T-O. Pizzicato. Anyway, you will find a link to that as well as links to all the other topics discussed in the show notes for this episode. uh, Together with some of the photos Henrik shot. Just steer your browser to aiit.se slash radio slash 0017. If you want to send us any kind of feedback, please do. Direct it to the mail address show at aiit.se, the Twitter and identity accounts at altinomiti, A-L-L-T-I-N-O-M-I-T, the Google Plus account that you will find at aiit.se slash radio slash plus, or just give Henrik a call and tell him you love him. Through the Egmont Cartoon Company, I will send a link to this episode to Mr. Kino Don Rosa himself. And I really do hope he feels that I have made him justice today. I loved doing this show, and I hope you loved listening to it. And we'll soon be back with more. <laughs>